Hello and welcome back to Division One Rejects, Episode Two. I'm your host Kobe Manzo, joined today by Connor Gashke. He's back this week, boys. We're excited to have him back. Yes, and on sir. the board this week, we've got Zach Keen, the quarterback. Zach, awesome to have you back, my man. Thank you. Now, on today's episode, we've got a lot going on, whether it be NFL, GLIAC, college football. We have, first of all, a guest from our rival, Michigan Tech University, that will be joining us here in just a few minutes. Um, also, we're going to get into a lot of the COVID situations happening in football, whether that be the lockdown on the GLIAC campuses, which we'll talk about very soon, or the suspension of NFL games, which is starting to finally hit the National Football League. Also, to finish off this podcast, make sure you stick around to the end because we will be touching on the virus-killing drones that will be flying around an NFL stadium near you. So once again, this podcast, if you're watching, obviously is available on YouTube. But if not, tell your friends to find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or basically wherever you listen to your podcasts. So for today's episode, fellas, the GLIAC is now the only conference besides the Division Three MIAA in the state of Michigan not playing, now that the MAC has claimed to play a six-game fall season starting November 4th and a conference championship in mid-December. How do we feel about pretty much being the only college conference not playing football this fall? Um, obviously, it's, it's unfortunate, but um, it's all up to the GLIAC conference and you know what they believe and what they deem is safe. So we just kind of have to wait on them. Honestly... I th- I think at this point it's a little too late. Oh, know? very much so. Especially I would, I would Hunter playing at Tech. You know, if we if we keep postponing this until you know you know November December, you know he's gonna be up to his head in snow. Yeah, very so much so. I think at this point, honestly, the best um, case scenario for us would just be spring. Yeah, you know, use this time to practice and then do spring ball or you know replace spring ball with just actual fall ball and then play there and then um, wait, get a little bit of break in summer and then get right back into the normal flow. Yeah, I mean, spring football is better than no football, and that's been the general sentiment from our coaches. It's just been roll with the punches and just kind of see where this thing goes. Obviously, it's out of our control, so there's no point in sitting here and kind of wallowing in self-pity or complaining about it because it's just how it is. Yeah. So we're going to try and make the most of it, and I'm sure that other GLIAC teams are going to do try and do the same thing. Now, as we'll see here in a second, we're going to have Hunter Chambers on the show talk about the situation right now up in the top of the UP at Michigan Tech University. So joining us right now, today's guest is a previous All-State offensive lineman, redshirt freshman currently at Michigan Tech University up in Houghton, Michigan at the top of the UP. Welcome Hunter Chambers. Here we go, Hunter! Glad to have you on the show today, boss. How you doing? Yeah, thanks, Kobe. Pleasure to have me on the show. Thank you. <laughs> awesome, man. It was only a matter of time to get you up here, but why don't you explain the situation going on right now up in Houghton for you guys in the football program? So, well, not just the football program, but for the county right now, yep. our county government decided to shut down pretty much the bars, the restaurants, all the UP, same with Michigan Tech, the campus, um, that it's just all online. It's all a shutdown for two weeks. So football ended up shutting down for this week and all my classes went to online for the next two weeks yeah that's huge and like you said it's kind of a county-wide thing more so than just a football thing and I you know made the mistake of just saying what happened to the football program but this is much bigger than that it's the whole county of you know that Houghton Hancock area like you were talking about and so campus is uh, now shut down for two weeks are most of the guys going to be staying on campus and grinding out the classes or do you think you'll see a lot of guys head home for this uh, two-week quarantine period there is a couple guys that headed home, but our coaches said they, they like can't control us, but like they want us up here to be up here and be safe and focus on school. So a lot of guys have been staying up here just to 
focus on school and get a workout in when we can. Yeah. Now, when did you hear this news and what was kind of the reaction from you and your teammates? Like what was the first initial reaction? Obviously you guys were bummed out, but what was kind of those feelings going through the team? Um, it was actually Sunday. We were watching the Lions play and we heard, uh, we got this email that the school was shutting down. So we were like, no way this is going to shut down football. We were just thinking we were going to do online classes for the next two weeks. But then football shut down and we were, of course, we're bummed. Everybody wants to be playing football right now. We should be, we should be, I think next week would actually be playing you guys. So seriously, that, that really bumps us out. And it's just all this COVID situation is just one thing on top of the other and just really given no break. So yeah, it sucks, but something you got to overcome. Yeah, totally. Well, I will say uh, you might've lucked out with uh, this week's matchup being postponed. Yep. Yep. Ten straight, bud. <laughs> so, Hunter, uh, without revealing too much, you know, what has the squad been up to in Houghton during this uh, hybrid offseason? Um, it's different. And, like, for you guys, you guys really haven't experienced a football season, a college football season because of COVID. Yeah. But this year compared to last year is just totally different on, like, precautions, everything. is just so over the top. I Not over the top, just very precautious with everything we do. So it's hard to get into the swing of things because just one COVID test brings – one COVID positive brings everything back. So, like, with not having spring ball canceled last year and everything, that just really has changed a lot of things, I mean, for everybody in college football. Totally. Especially in the GLIAC. Right. So another question for you here. So uh, coming off of a 500 season last year at 5-5 five and five, and uh, returning a pretty young roster from uh, top to bottom, uh, what is new about the uh, this Husky team heading into 2021? Um, there's a different type of vibe with us. Last year, yes, we were a young team, but we had some good seniors that really led us to the way. And this year, looking in, let's say we did have a season, we were going to be a young team, and we're going to – we are a young team. We are a very young team, but we have some ballers on this team that I don't think nowhere else in Gliac has grinders up and down the roster. So – I think energy is one huge thing that we are bringing to this Michigan Tech now, just with how guys approach things and not wanting to be a 5-5 five and five team again. Yeah, I totally understand that. You talk about the young ballers in your guys' roster and how important that is to your team's culture, your team's energy. And for those of you not aware, Michigan Tech is a very, very STEM-specialized school that focuses in a lot of engineering, science, technology, mathematics, those type of areas. How important, Hunter, is it for your coaches who have this very specialized area of study to go out and recruit these guys and make sure they capitalize on the ones that are interested in those fields? I mean, like you said, Michigan Tech is a very special and also tough school to get into. Yeah. So not just anybody can come up here and play football and just like, yeah, I'm just going to play football and just skim through classes. It's not like that. If we are student athletes here first. The student comes first. So you got to be on top of things grades-wise and football-wise. And for you to be a good athlete, a good football player up here, you have to be a great student first. Yeah, 100%. Now, do you have any timeline right now from the coaches or anything as when you guys, as not only as a university, but you guys as a program will return to some type of workouts or practice, or is that still all up in the air at this point? Uh, Kobe, it's all up in the air. I really yeah. we don't. Nobody really knows anything when we're, when we're going to play next, if we're going to play next fall, next spring. Nobody really knows. Nobody knows when anything's going to happen. So we're all just praying that it's soon. 
Seriously. Now, what are your thoughts on playing in the spring? And that's the, the plan right now is to play that eight-game conference-only season in the spring for the teams in the GLIAC. And we were just kind of talking about how the GLIAC right now is the only conference in the state, college conference, outside of the MIAA, the Division Three conference, that is not playing in fall competition. And how we've just kind of had to roll with the punches and, you know, take it as they come. What are your thoughts about playing, uh, playing possibly in the spring this year? I mean, our coaches always say that we'll play in the parking lot. So we, if we can play football in the spring, I would love to play football in the spring. I will play tomorrow if they put up the season. Yeah. It's just the things with COVID and everything, like we got to, I think, I like how the GLIAC has been putting the players first and we're thinking about our safety. So that's great. But once again, we all want to play. The MIAA wants to play. Everybody wants to play. So yes, it sucks. But once again, you just got to be smart and safe about it. Totally. You're 100% right there, I think, on the GLIAC putting the players first. And while sometimes that might seem like a bear to fans and, you know, spectators of the sport, I think that boils down to that's a really large component of this. Now, I know a little less serious topic. We got a little bit of snow here this morning in Marquette. Have you guys gotten anything up there in Houghton yet? Uh, no snow here yet. Really? It, let me tell you, it is it is cold in my house. It is <laughs> shirt and sweatpants weather. Uh, no problem with that. Last question for you, Hunter, before we let you go. How's it going to feel when Northern beats the 10-year streak and brings that minor cup back to Marquette this season? Uh, 10 straight, so I got to say. <laughs> no comments on that? 10 straight, so I got to say. Well, Hunter, I appreciate you, man. I had the chance to play with Hunter uh, in high school for a number of years before he went off to Tech, and uh, thankfully I'll get to play you for many more years, man. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast and spending a little time with us today. Hey, thank you for having me, Kobe. It's a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. See you, Hunter. Yeah. All right. So like I said, I got to play with Hunter in high school a little bit. He was uh, left tackle and me being a running back. Obviously, I was very close to my offensive linemen, treat them to, them to some dinners after the games and that type of thing. And like he said, Michigan Tech has beaten Northern 10 times in the last 10 years. That has been something that even though it has been very close, it's a huge rivalry game. It's been very close. What do we need to do? Maybe not as individuals, but as a team to kind of step over that hump and finally bring that Miners Cup back. I think we, we've done a lot, you know, as watching the games in the past, you know, it's they've been close games. Oh, very, know, We yeah. haven't been getting blown out and everything. And, you know, I it's just um, we need to keep working, working out, getting closer as a team, getting, uh, you know, get that camaraderie going because we, we didn't have camp. We didn't have any practice. We have any games. So, yeah, there's still some guys on the team that I don't even know yet that I would have probably known if we had camp and everything. So once we get that all figured out, I think I think we'll be good to go. Yeah, I mean, you're walking down the hallway, and a guy's got a mask on. Unless he's wearing, like, some of the gear that we've gotten as a team, I've got no idea who, like, right. maybe a quarter or, like, a third of our team is. I've only met so many, and being separated and being put into workout groups and different situations where we can't have everybody in one area at the same time, although it is to our benefit for the health of our players, it, it sucks. It really sucks, and it's, it puts a downer on everything because you really just want to get to know your teammates and stuff, but... Like you said, all the GLIAC teams are going through the same exact thing right now. Right. So we, at some point, just have to be fortunate because we could be in Michigan Tech situation right now. We could be shut down for two weeks or more. Right now, we've got online classes, but we also have in-person classes. So we have a hybrid of the two, which is much more than a lot of different universities are getting. So what's the perspective on that? We just got to be a little bit grateful, I think. Yeah, I. it's just a tough situation, you know. We, I, no one... No one wishes for this situation, of course. You know, we wish we could pl be uh, playing right now. But, again, at the same time, we are kind of lucky, I yeah. should say, you know, that, you know, we're able to be up here 
you know, in some yeah. schools they're not allowed to, but we're able to be up here. We're able to be doing uh, minimal things with the team, so that's nice and everything. But totally. at the same time, you know, of course, we all wish that, you know, we were getting ready for Michigan Tech this week and everything. Exactly, so. yeah. I mean, the energy around campus would be different. The energy oh, yeah, in the locker sure. room would be different. It's so many things that would be different because of COVID. And you can sit here and talk about that all day, but the college football that has been playing has been awesome. And it's been awesome, but not awesome for every single team. And I'm kind of leading into talking about LSU. They obviously had that loss against Mississippi State and Ostello, the quarterback from Mississippi State, and Leach, the head coach. And now they have dropped to 20 in the latest AP ranking, which is a spot that they're probably very unfamiliar with given their last uh, their track record last season. What did we see from LSU in that loss, and how are they going to move forward? I think we saw just the youth of that team. I mean, obviously with 14 players lost to the NFL, 14 starters, very yeah. big impact players, you know, that's hard to recover from a season like that, especially mm-hmm. – excelling so well, um, probably, you know, in argument for one of the best college teams to ever play. So, you know, losing 14 players to the NFL, that is just out of your 22 that's playing, that is a big chunk of guys that you're going to have to fill those spots, guys that maybe not have had that much experience in those games. And, you know, with the loss of Joe Burrow and, um, you know, Big-time receivers. Like, and Jamar Chase, yeah. who was supposedly exactly. supposed to play this year. But then after opting out, that's another player that, who did have the experience, and he chose to opt out. So that's another big hit for that team. Um, obviously, it's very frustrating for LSU and uh, Coach O, but you know it's not exactly surprising that LSU no, not had at dropped all. to 20, especially after that huge hit with uh, all of their players. Um going to the NFL, and then obviously Jamar Chase opting out. Yeah, and LSU has always been known for their pro-style offense, at least as long as Coach Ordron has been there. And we see how that translates into the NFL game. They don't call it a pro-style offense for no reason, right? They have very similarities, very large similarities to a lot of pro-style offenses, which is why, hence the name. So to see Joe Burrow, to see Justin Jefferson, to see a lot of those offensive talent players, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, to see them go into the NFL and translate very quickly, I wasn't very surprised. Although, you know, I think we'll see production ramp up from them as they gain a little bit of comfort at the next level. Um, but like you said, they lost all of those starters. And then to have a kid who's supposed to come back and Jamar Chase and really be uh, a guy for them this season and a leader to really bring that unit together, to see him opt out. Now, he really does have a chance at being one of the top picks in this upcoming draft, uh, the, 2021, uh, the 2020 draft. Um, but that's, that's going to be a huge hit for them. And I don't know if that caught them by surprise or not due to COVID uh, because the SEC was a league that had always planned on playing in the fall. So there really wasn't any skepticism as to whether or not they would play in the spring or not. And I don't think we've really seen much of that at the Division II level just because guys really don't have that high of draft stock when you're coming out of D2. It's not unheard of to be drafted out of a Division II school, especially if you're a playmaker and you're going out there and you're going to be a, a role-type guy at the next level and you've got the size and speed. But... I don't really think we see much of that at the Division Two level for any reason. Yeah, and obviously I think um, the image of Division One is going to be a little different from Division Two because, you know, all the income, the stadiums, everything is on a much larger scale at Division One. So, yeah. um, you know, obviously the popularity for guys being able to go and having that interest in the NFL – um, obviously it's just a little higher in Division One, yeah, because of right. those guys already having that, that size, that speed, you know. Everything they, that got them to that point. Exactly. So it's going to happen way more often in Division One, and um, because 
at least for that reason alone, for um, people just preparing for the draft, um, it's definitely going to happen a lot more in the NFL. I think in Division Two, people are still opting out, but it's more for safety reasons. It's not really right. for mm-hmm. NFL draft uh, preparations because, honestly, I think if they were worried about their draft stock or something like that, they would be more willing to play, if anything. Oh, totally. And we talked about last week how – Football in general is a business at the end of the day. It is, it's an awesome sport, and we really enjoy playing it, and there are so many life lessons that come out of it. But for so many, it's a business. People that have jobs that are solely invested in football, and when you get to the highest level, and your salary is based off of how many tackles you week, make every week. excuse me. But it really comes down to that business attitude and how important that is. And you talked about the NFL players opting out because of business reasons because that's their job. That's their career, their profession and what they use to support their family. So it's a totally different mindset from a college kid to a professional perspective. Um, But going back to the rankings, there was one team that I thought got snubbed out of the rankings, and that was the Raging Cajuns from Louisiana. I've been loving watching this team the last three weeks. They went on a game-winning field goal last week against Georgia State, but their numbers have been awesome. They're currently sitting on top of the Sun Belt Conference with a 3-0 record. That's the same conference as like an Appalachian State and some other teams that have been prominent in years past. Um, but the QB, Levi Lewis, threw for over 270 yards and two touchdowns last week against Georgia State. And their leading rusher, Elijah Mitchell, came up with 16 carries for 164 yards, two touchdowns. That's over 10 yards a carry. So their offense is putting up these awesome numbers. But they do have some things to clean up. They had two interceptions and only went three for 14 on third down. Um, so it's kind of like those are the things that really need to clean up to get into that top 25 ranking, especially before the teams like Big Ten, Pac-12, before those teams start to populate the rankings, this is their chance for Louisiana right. to finally uh, kind of make their say up on there. They had 126 votes to get into the top 25, but unfortunately, I guess that just wasn't enough, apparently. Are there any other teams that you guys have seen that should kind of crack those rankings? Um, I've been really, uh, I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's tough to tell right now because uh, without, you know, Big Ten and Pac-12, you know, without them playing right now, I know I don't really have a that whole college ranking feel right now. Yeah. Usually you'd have Ohio state top 10 easy. You'd have Michigan in there, top 15 and then um, Penn state and uh, even Minnesota last Minnesota, year, you know, definitely been making. So it's just, I don't know. It's hard to tell right now because now that uh, LSU, they dropped all the way what 20, 20 with them dropping the 20 and then big 10 teams still coming in. Like it's hard. It's, it's weird. It's different. I don't even know if um, like where the, uh, and like uh, once the Big Ten come back, I don't even know where they're going to be all separated to. We'll miss, yeah. Like we'll Ohio State, they'll have to be in top ten. Like they'll have to be, maybe probably top five. Yeah, nah, probably top ten. That's coming from a Michigan fan. Yeah, I hate to say it, but <laughs> but uh, end of the year Michigan will be top five. It is interesting but. though because you'll talk about a team. Obviously, there is a disparity of competition from the Sun Belt to a conference like the Big Ten. You know, believe it or not, but. A Sun Belt team, say Louisiana goes undefeated the rest of the year and they come back and they're 7-0, what do they have over a Big Ten team that's 2 or 3-0? and I don't know. It's kind of the same situation as UCF. Yeah. Honestly, it'd just be a repeat of that. Um, undefeated of, and undefeated, name themselves national champions. Self-proclaimed national champions. Uh, you know, that it's, it's all hard to tell because you do have to look at the competition level of each conference. 100%. If you're 100%. going, it does, like, you can say, oh, yeah, we win 8-0, but, you know, are you running the gauntlet like Georgia? Are you running the gauntlet like Auburn? Like it's mm-hmm. it's definitely the competition level is going to be totally. Um, it's just way lower at, at the Sun Belt level than obviously an SEC school who's totally playing the top talent each week. So if you're looking at you know 
an Auburn who's ten and two uh, compared to a Louisiana who's you know nine and zero or whatever. Yep. You know, under it doesn't matter. Undefeated. Yeah, doesn't matter. Nope. Who's uh, you're obviously going to put, you know, that team above Louisiana just because of the fact that their talent that they're playing is just way, way more superior. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree for sure. Um, talking about let's talk about the next level a little bit, the NFL. And we already talked with Hunter about how his campus is shut down for two weeks due to COVID. So that means all online classes and no, I mean, no football activities for the Huskies up there in Houghton. The NFL has finally been struck by COVID. So obviously they're not in a bubble or any type of containment where all their players and facilities are in one area like the NBA tried doing. Um, you know, but whether that be a lack of facilities, a uh, lack of, you know, too many players, something like that. I don't know what the reasons were, but they opted to not try and do that. And it actually had been working out for them pretty well through three weeks. But now they have finally been struck by COVID. And Sunday's game between the Titans and Steelers has been postponed due to COVID. So Tennessee had four Titans players uh, test positive for COVID. And that was just the beginning because five personnel came out and tested positive. And so then the NFL was trying to say, we'll play it on Monday or Tuesday, try and sneak it in. So our schedule doesn't get completely thrown out of sorts, but then two more Tennessee Titans players test positive, And now there's no future date planned as of now for the Pittsburgh, Tennessee game. What does that mean? And does the NFL is kind of like a slippery slope for the NFL, do we think, or is it a one-time problem? They're going to shore it up and be on their way. Well, I mean, obviously we're hoping that it's going to be a one-time thing and it's going to clean up, but obviously with this virus, with the exponential growth in um, the cases, it's going to be so hard to contain. And, you know, we'd love to sit here and say that it is just a hiccup and this is going to be one of those things where, you know, these guys will go in, they'll quarantine for two weeks, come back, everybody's going to be okay. We'll play that game against the Steelers and then everything's just going to be um, shun signs and rainbows for the rest of the time, but it's, it's not like it's yeah. obviously it's going to strike another team, especially if they're not in the bubble like the NBA. It's a way harder um, containment size for the NFL than it is the NBA, and that's just you know that's just pure just, just what it is. It's just how it is because of the um, the team size, you know, uh, the rosters. It's it's going to be way more hard. It's going to be way harder to uh, contain a hundred and something guys compared to you know twenty. And like you said, that's the nature of the sport. That's the nature of football. And you talk, it's not only the 50-whatever-man roster of the team. It's the coaches. It's the personnel. It's the people who work at the facilities, the maintenance people. There are so many people that can be exposed in the day-to-day activities of an NFL team that it, for me, logistically speaking, I think it would be almost impossible to track every single positive COVID oh, case sure. that could be happening at any given point. So, what do you think their protocols are? Now, I have no information on this, but what do you think their protocols are for the people that are working there? I would assume they're under very similar ones to the players about not going out and not being in that um, type of environment. Oh, for sure. I, they have to. Yeah. If you know, if you're, it's kind of like, it's like any other job. You know, if you, if you're working right now, you, you, you're doing your best to, you know, kind of stay, not quarantined, but, you know, Isolated. social distance, yeah. isolate, you know, always have a mask on because, um, the workers, <clears throat> like, they need to know that if they go out and you know, not follow the rules, they can come back, and then they get the team. Yeah. They can get the team um, and test positive, and then that just shuts down 
the whole team for two weeks or whatever yeah. games and everything money going down. It's That's, just, that was one thing I was going to touch on was the money side of it. Now, not only the NFL, but the organizations are going to lose so much money. If these games do not happen like a Titans versus Steelers, that type of matchup. Now that was going to be a Sunday game too. That was gonna be like a Sunday night football primetime matchup. That's something that the NFL cannot afford to lose. Those TV deals are going to be so big this year because mm-hmm. outside of cardboard cutouts, these people are not going to be showing up to the games. You could have no fans in the stadium. You could have what? five to ten percent fans in a stadium it's going to be a totally different dynamic and we've seen them trying to incorporate like some fake crowd noise or whatever they've done has it felt any different watching it on the tv for me it's been a pretty similar atmosphere it honestly it has been um i remember when uh it was monday watching the um kansas city and ravens game yep you could you know after any run it would be like a one yard run but you'd, you'd hear the crowd roaring yeah you know so like you could uh you could definitely tell that, you know, it's kind of fake. But when still, you think about it, yeah. yeah. But still, I feel like, you know, it kind of helps, you know, because now that you don't really have uh, the only thing you gain from being a home team is you don't have to travel. Yeah, the you travel know? is still a large part of well, it. But still, like, big yeah. part, huge from, you know. But uh, still, overall, you know, the fans there, that's what can change a game too. The energy, yeah, yeah. like a the Seattle, energy, like yeah, 12th oh, yeah. man or something like yeah. that along mm-hmm. those lines. That's a huge impact in so many games, but – the announcers have been doing a good job of right. almost acting like, you know, nothing is uh, different. Nothing's abnormal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cameramen and women, they show very tight shots of the players. They don't reveal the stands yeah, too yeah. much. There aren't a lot of very no. wide shots. So no. if you brought somebody in, a time traveler from two years ago, and you had sat them down and watched an NFL game, I don't. I think it take them at least a half of football before they really realize that something was up. Yeah. So I think that they a credit to them. They've been doing a really good job of that. Yeah. And I assume they're just going to get better as time goes on, taking those samples of audio from past games and incorporating them into now like today's productions. Yeah, definitely. On that same subject, I watched a, like a highlight video of that same game, the Ravens in Kansas City. Yeah. And that was without the crowd noise. That was weird. Really? Oh, that, yeah. that was weird. Because you'd hear, you'd hear Patty Mahomes do his, like, you know, his cadence, his cadence. and then he snapped a ball, and it was just, like, silent. And it was it was the weirdest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Like, it was, like, yeah. it just went silent, and then you heard, you know, a little crunching of the pads, and then uh, it was just, you know, Tyreek Hill's touchdown, like, he caught the ball. You'd hear a little bit of jawing, and then, then you hear the whistle blow, and then it was just, Dead. That was it. it was imagine just like, like imagine like playoffs, like Super Bowl. Seriously, team wins. Yeah, just, you, just you'd, you'd have the crowd noise, like the fake crowd noise. Mm-hmm. That that would honestly, you'd have to ramp that up. Oh, is, that would yeah. just feel weird, unreal. But yeah, it, talk about losing out on money. Now that's a that's a ways away. Still, we have a couple months before that is even talked about Super Bowl wise and what they're gonna do for attendance of that. We have no idea. But two teams that have a realistic chance of going to that Super Bowl are, like you said, Detroit that, Lions. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh no. I don't know about that. It's, I mean, it's early. It's early. We'll I'd see. love to see it happen. <laughs> if we win a playoff game this year, I'll be happy. But what I was talking about, the two teams are the Baltimore Ravens <laughs> and the Kansas City Chiefs. If they want a playoff game, yes, I would <laughs> absolutely be absolutely insane. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I would love that. But the Chiefs and Ravens faced off on Monday Night Football, and <clears throat> Kansas City dominated the pace of the game. They cruised to a 14-point win over Baltimore and the former MVP, Lamar Jackson. 
Mahomes throws for 385 yards and four touchdowns, doing Patrick Mahomes things, and even threw up a little bit of a four in the middle of the game there to show that, you know, he had that chip on his shoulder from, I guess you could call it a chip, from being named number four in the NFL top 100, which for him... Insanity. Uh, yeah, yeah, for that him, is, that is. a Super Bowl MVP that put up the numbers that he put up last year, being as young as he is. Oh, for sure. That, that, that was disrespectful when those rankings came out. Oh. And, yeah, I saw him tweet the, you know, he, he took the little notepad, just let everybody know that he was taking notes, and uh, yep. it's been apparent this year. Oh, I think yeah. obviously it it's It definitely has. The most apparent and the most probably impressive thing that I saw from the Chiefs game is that they had five receivers with over 60 yards. So the yeah. Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, that Chiefs offense does an insane job of spreading the ball around and giving all their targets like a large amount of touches. Yeah. So that for me was something that Baltimore did not do. They did not incorporate a lot of their receiver, receivers. Excuse me, Hollywood Brown did not get. I think he had two catches for like twelve yards, and that's someone yeah. that has to be a weapon for their offense. Especially uh, Mark Andrews of the Ravens. That you know he had two drops. He dropped a yep. touchdown. And then I don't know what was going on, but it was just it was a rough game for him and pretty much all the weapons besides Lamar Jackson. It just looked like they were just having a rough night. Um, you know, we didn't hear much noise from Mark Ingram or J.K. Dobbins. No, we did not. It was just mm -hmm. Gus was Edwards in the like, backfield that had a decent game. But honestly, it reminded me from uh, the game uh, a few years back in the ACC when Lamar was playing um, Clemson against yep. Deshaun Watson. Yep. It was the Lamar show against Clemson. And, you know, obviously, it, it honestly, I think it had, like, the same outcome. You know, Clemson was, you know, the Chiefs. They still came out on top. And it just looked like Lamar was running for his life to do anything he could to possibly win the game. And it, it gave me that same exact vibe um, in this game on Monday night. The Chiefs did a really good job of containing Jackson in the pocket. Their edge yeah. rushers were... Probably the best that I've seen playing against Lamar and keeping him contained because you just talked about how it could be the Lamar show because he's so elusive and his legs are so good. Now, he threw for just under 100 yards and a touchdown and rushed for another 90 or so yards. So he had a, a decent game stat-wise. I mean, is this something that's going to be fuel for the Lamar Jackson skeptics or the ones that you know claim that he's still a running back at the NFL level? Uh, honestly, I think... It should be kind of past that at this point. Yeah. You know, after his MVP after season. His MVP after his MVP season, season mean, you know. I would no, hope so. It's just he's brought just a different game to the quarterback um, play at the NFL level, you know, with him being just, just such a freak athlete, um, you know, on that Mike Vick type level. Yep. Yeah, so I was going to say Mike Vick. He's definitely shown that he can play like that, and he's capable of, you know, winning games. And I think that was just the biggest question is if he was going to be able to take a team – without passing, without that aspect of the game. And I think, honestly, he's been able to show that he can throw the ball. Yeah. He can be accurate oh, yeah. in the pocket. He can stand in the pocket. He can throw. Um, is it, you know, as good as Russell Wilson? Yeah, that's, yeah. Not close. But Different aspects of the game, yeah. A different aspect that is still able to put his team in positions to win. And I think that's, at the end of the day, that is the biggest thing. If you're able to put your team in the position to win, that's all you can ask from a quarterback. I mean, yeah. it's mm -hmm. it's just you need to be able to um, be in those situations, be calm, and you can tell his his presence is there. His demeanor has changed a lot over the course of the he year. He feels a lot more comfortable, and he knows his game, and he knows what to do when the game's on the line. So right. he's obviously nothing's been a blow off of the Ravens. I mean, 14 points, you know, it's just a two-possession game. To a Super Bowl defending team that has looked almost yes. unstoppable, though. Yeah. Yeah. 
you would almost expect that. Now, Lamar Jackson actually called uh, the Chiefs their kryptonite. The Ravens, it, they called them the kryptonite. And I thought that was so funny because we've seen this team take on world beater after world beater and come away victorious. But yet, every time they go up against this team, it just they just can't seem to find the formula. And yeah. you think that boils down to one reason or a bunch of reasons? Just what is that? And why are the Chiefs the kryptonite? Kryptonite, excuse me, for the Ravens. I think it just all revolves around Patrick Mahomes. Really? I mean, dude, he is freak athlete. He's, what, only 25, 26? Yeah. Already got an MVP. Just got Super engaged. Bowl, just got engaged. Super Bowl MVP. Things I are mean, happening for this guy. You know, right he – it's just the team revolves around – well, the offense mainly, of course, revolves around him. He can get any job done, and, you know, he just signed the biggest contract – Oh, yeah. Bought an MLB team. Deservedly so, too. This dude is just something else. And then he's he's kryptonite for any NFL. (laughs) I feel like, yeah, that doesn't just boil down to one team. This this dude's insane. It is true. That is the the NFL's kryptonite. I like that. And, you know, and he, as long as he keeps doing what he's doing, he's. That's how it's going to be. The league's going to be know? it's going to go through Patrick Mahomes much like yeah. the NBA has gone through LeBron James. And you talk right? about just like the sheer amount of weapons that he has cuz they do do a, a great job yeah. of of you know sharing the ball to all of his targets. But when you talk about those targets, those are big time players. I Very. mean, mm-hmm. every single one of them is right. an impact player. You put them on any other team, I mean, even, you know, McCole Hardman who is not necessarily talked about as much as like yeah. Tyreek Hill not or Travis a huge Kelsey, name, but right. But you put that guy on any other team, his speed and his athleticism is still a playmaker on any other team. So even mm-hmm. like, you know, the Chiefs wide receiver three on the depth chart is still, you know, on par with the starter from, you know, the Chargers or something like that. Like and like even even if the passing game is, I don't know, if it's not working for Mahomes. Clyde Edwards or Lair is just an insane. Their player. O-line, Clyde, I mean, it doesn't matter. That offense is just crazy yeah they're clicking on all cylinders same with the defense that was that was super evident their defense is a whole nother story they've been on a different level as well playing up to the challenge like i said they did a great job of containing lamar jackson and that op that option style offense of baltimore but it really for me came down to a shootout and the chiefs are built for a shootout much more so than baltimore is and that was super apparent because the chiefs had more than double the total yards of baltimore with 517 yards on the night which was an absolutely insane number through the air on the ground. They get it done pretty much in all facets of the game. And we talked about Lamar and um, how he's gained a lot more comfort through this last season. But for me, he did look a little uncomfortable in the pocket at times. He was 0 for 3 on passes that were longer than 20 yards down the field. And I think not that he does not have that ability. Like we've said, he definitely has shown he has that ability. For me, it's just about consistency at this point. And if he wants to have a lengthy career in the NFL at the quarterback position, he's going to develop that consistency, and I have no doubt that he will. I really think he will. So the final uh, topic that I wanted to talk about today, I wanted to touch on, was how the NFL is going to stop this coronavirus. And I think it is kind of funny that this comes out a day after the first NFL game is canceled due to COVID. So what does the NFL do? They go out and buy $125,000 virus-killing drones. So according to ESPN's Vaughn McClure, the NFC South has elected to use what they are calling, quote, D1 disinfecting drones and will be first used in the home of the Falcons, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So to give you a quick kind of synopsis on what these drones do, and this is directly from the source, the drones use electronic spraying or electromagnetic spraying nozzles for even distribution of medical-grade disinfecting chemicals, preventing bacteria and viruses from adhering to surfaces without leaving a residue. Now, I am no science major, but basically what I get is that it sprays the stuff on the seats, on the areas, on the facilities, whatever, 
and COVID be gone. That's kind of what I'm picking up from this. And did we ever see something like this happening in the future? I mean, this kind of, this was a super surprise to me, but. It was, I mean, you told me about this yesterday. Yeah. And I was just drones. Yeah. Spring, like, COVID. I, I, yeah, I was just confused. It's kind of a freaky it's, subject. It, it is. It, it's, you know, it's unusual. And it's weird that, you know, that has to, we have drones now, you know, yeah. that can. Can they detect COVID, or is it just is it just no. they clean? They okay, just, yeah. they just spray. Okay, with they just spray. Yep. So the other side of that coin is the Carolina Panthers actually purchased two of their own uh, flying germ killers that have been proven to be ninety nine point nine nine percent effective against COVID in a hospital setting. So they'd fly around and clean up to sixty rooms per day. That's what they said, and so that in a hospital setting is huge because then that's saving the time of nurses and orderlies and people who would usually be. Um, kind of in charge. Yeah, the one's in charge of cleaning those areas. So and it keeps them safe. Exactly. Yeah. That's the number one yeah, priority, obviously, is keeping them 100% safe. Now, drones have been used in the past for multiple reasons, whether it be like ordering packages. Amazon has toyed with the idea of using drone delivery. They've been used to plant trees in different areas and yeah. like mass planting and purposes. So it saves a lot of man hours, similar to what we're talking about right now. But um, I mean, with the little information that we have, have, how feasible is this for the NFL team to start picking this up and possibly cleaning facilities and stadiums? I think it would be huge, especially because that's also, you know, their thing for how they're keeping safe, you know, yeah. along with the bubble. But this is going to be their thing of how what they can use as like their backbone of, yes, we are keeping mm-hmm. the players safe. This is what we're doing. This is our plan to um, extend our season and uh, – keep this thing rolling because I don't know. We're going to have to see if the Falcons, if it starts working, I mean, obviously we're not going to know if the Falcons were going to be, you know, COVID for the entire time. Yeah. And I don't think we'll ever know. I think we should try and use it on the Titans. I think that, that would yeah. be great. Yeah. Honestly with, you know, Mercedes Benz stadium, it's a little different with being an indoor stadium. Mm. Brand and, new too. Uh, you know, uh, what, what is the Titan stadium? I can't remember. It's not Levi stadium. That's, that's Steelers. No, yeah, I don't know. Off the top it's, of my head. It's like, Anyways. No. It's Toyota. It's yeah. Toyota Stadium okay. or something like okay. that. Uh, but, you know, that's in down, that's in downtown Nashville, open stadium. You know, with Carolina, that also being an open stadium. I, I'm, I'm interested to see how that works in, you know, an in, in open stadium, open roof. Yeah, uh, it's a different dynamic with COVID-wise and yeah. how the restrictions work. The wind work. and everything that's right. going to yeah. be um, carried through that stadium. And uh, if it starts working for the Panthers, I think that definitely should be something that they should look into because it's not for in you know, one hundred twenty-five thousand. Oh yeah, yeah for sure has to be because the you know. COVID regulations obviously are different when people are inside of a closed space. And now oh, even yeah, sure. we have the Superior Dome up here in Northern Michigan, and now it is a very large building, but it is that it is a one. building. <laughs> we should we get, get a drone. Just get one, right. especially especially when the um like uh, when the teams you know when a certain amount of fans like fifty percent, twenty percent of the stadiums you know full. Still, even though everyone's socially distanced, mm-hmm. but um, like the Detroit Lions, you know, Ford Field, yeah, it's closed off, but they are having fans. Yep, There's not a whole lot of fans, of course, and everyone's socially distanced, but still, you know, will we see other? T- you know, that's the question. Will we see other teams? You know, start to hop on this um, this trend? Almost, yeah, with yeah. the drone and everything. I think. It should be like mandatory, mandatory drone it, usage from the NFL. I, I, that's what I think because yeah. you know if it does, yes, it is a lot of money and you yeah. know and everything. Pocket but change. yeah, I'm just say one hundred twenty five thousand dollars for, for drone. But for an NFL team, I mean, exactly, it's, it's a lot of money to us, and it, it's still a good chunk of change for oh, an for NFL sure. organization. But yeah. but I mean, if it's killing, yeah. you know, ninety nine point nine nine percent. I mean, 
that just seems it's so just, worth it. It is. It's hundred percent worth it. Going. So and if, drones, if you only buy like two, yeah, you know, it's not you're not buying fifteen. You know, you're just buying two <laughs> and everything. And especially with these teams that are having fans and are indoor, you know, I feel like it should be mandatory. You know, be as safe as you possibly can. Yeah. The company, the CEO from the company that created the two drones that the Carolina Panthers purchased, claims that the drones will actually take out every uh, instance of COVID that has been sprayed by their formula in under two minutes. So not only can they cover this very large area, if only two of the drones can cover or encompass an entire stadium, which is like millions of square feet, they can take it out in two minutes during with, when that spray is applied. So that is those numbers are astounding to me. And the last thing I want to talk about with you guys is, do we think this is a coincidence that all of a sudden these drones are coming out? Or now that the first game was canceled, this was a card that the NFL was kind of having in the back of their hand and they had to pull it out just to kind of maybe save their season? I do, I've never even heard of these drones any, anywhere. So exactly. I, I, mean, I have no clue if, you know, they were thinking about it, they had it in the back, mm-hmm. but... But they didn't know if it was they but really they needed to. Yeah, right. like do we have do we want to go out and spend you know hundreds of thousands of dollars on these things, or can we get the season by without maybe digging into the pocketbook? So obviously, much? with you know the the business standpoint, yeah. they probably they, were wanting to just you know barely, especially with all by. the money they're already losing. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure from a business standpoint, they were like, mm, let's see how this goes. After the first thing happens, they're like, okay, man, okay, we, we need start. to. That's what I'm saying. But, but then again. I w- I'm confused on why it is, you know, the Falcons and Carolina Panthers instead of Yeah, the that's Titans. interesting as well in the NFC South there. So that's that's very interesting. And we are in a, a different world here, a different climate right. for football, for society, for everything, with campuses closed down, drones flying around, spraying germicides and all of these things. Um, that's I, I hate this saying so much, but that's the new normal. And people say it so much, but there, I just said it. But that is all we have for today's episode of Division One Rejects. Make sure to go and uh, tell your friends about this episode if you enjoyed it somewhat remotely. And if you did not, remember to act like it never happened. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, wherever you listen to your podcasts, come and check us out every weekend talking about college and professional football. Zach, Connor, thank you so much for joining me today. Appreciate See you guys it. later. See you guys. Have a great weekend.